Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Morning, church. It is great to be uh, with you once again. <clears throat> and really a privilege preaching God's Word. This uh, less controversial topic than the last time. I want you to open your Bibles in Matthew chapter 6 and we will be reading um, just from verse 16 to 18 and I do want to ask that you bear with me today as and you know in the, that game you used to play when you were at youth with sword drill and you go to the Bible because we're going to we're going to be looking more than just one text. But let's, let's turn there. Matthew chapter 6, 16 to 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast... Anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Lord, as we meditate on your word and on this topic of fasting, may you minister to our hearts. May you speak to us. May May your word go out and prepare our hearts uh, to listen and to obey what it is saying. I pray that you will help me with my words and and guide and only that which you want to say to your people. And for the glory of your name and the edification of the body may be proclaimed. I ask you this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So... I think because of uh, our series on parenting on, on the adult Bible class, a lot of illustrations come from that. But as a parent, you would know that um, you have to constantly give your children do's and don'ts, right? So I'm constantly giving Levi and Luca do's and don'ts, you know, do eat that, say thank you, don't hit your brother, don't we on the floor and <laughs> and and so this is it's a, a reality of parent but also in the scriptures it is filled with do's and don'ts and I, I want to I, I chose this passage in First Thessalonians just because it has both do's and don'ts so First Thessalonians five fourteen to twenty three look at what it says there. And, and what, what I would like you to do is, as I read, you're going to say if it's a do or a don't. All right? Say do or, or don't. So, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. 
See that no one repays anyone evil for evil. But, <laughs> but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But test everything to hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Do. <laughs> Do. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So why am I starting with, with this? There are two common and equally wrong responses to a sermon like today's sermon. Um, and that is legalism and antinomianism. In other words, on the legalism <clears throat> part, you know, it's, it's all about doing and, and, and you have to do certain things and, and you get obsessed with that. And on the other side of antinomianism is... Uh, I'm not going to be able to do it anyways. It doesn't apply for me. Just let's, let's just leave it. So now uh, I'm going to now rejoice always. You can take this, this scripture and say rejoice always. So I'm now going to be smiling all the time. And, and no matter how hard, difficult things will be, I'm going to just always going to be rejoicing. Um, but you won't be able to do that. And it's heart is not in it. And it's, about just behavior. But equally wrong is like, actually, I don't need to worry about abstaining from evil. We're under grace. I don't have to stress. No. Both, both responses are wrong. We were created for good works. And so sanctification requires work. You, you don't naturally become godly. Remember the song we, we sing, prone to wonder. So the right response keeps the gospel at the center, recognizes I am a sinner, and Christ has paid for my sins, and I can't earn my salvation by, by works. It recognizes that Christ has fulfilled the law, and, and yet makes me want to obey Him because I've been saved by grace. And I want to please my Master. And so I want to, in a sense, preface this with, you have to look it through the word of the gospel. John Wesley says, Let us beware of fencing that we merit anything of God by our fasting. We cannot be too often warned of this, inasmuch as a desire to establish our own righteousness, to procure salvation of debt, and not of grace is too deeply rooted in all our hearts. Fasting is only a way which God hath ordained, wherein we wait for His unmerited mercy, and wherein without any uh, uh, deserve of ours, He has promised freely to give us His blessing. So I want you to keep in mind this framework as we as we talk about fasting. So let me start with 
what fasting, what biblical fasting is not. Alright? So, what biblical fasting is not? It's not a special diet. <laughs> biblical fasting is not with the purpose of losing weight. Now, there is out there intermediate fasting and all of those things, and, and, and some are really helpful, and, and, and that's fine, but that's not what the Bible is referring to. It's, it's not a diet thing. Biblical fasting, it relates to food. Okay, so <clears throat> today there is sometimes people, I'm going to fast from social media, I'm going to fast from Coke or from TV and, and, and things like that. Now, that's fine, but, but what the Bible is speaking specifically, it relates to abstaining from, from food. Biblical fasting also does not advocate for self-inflicting pain. It's not to, to put your body to purposefully causing you harm through hunger. It's, it's not about that. Your body is the temple of, of the Holy Spirit. And I could, could probably say more things about that, but hopefully it will be clarified as, as we go into what it is. What is biblical fasting? I want to use a, a, a small definition from a guy called, uh, from a theologian called Thomas Tarrant. And he says, in the Bible, the word fasting means goings without food, the purpose of which is to earnestly seek God in prayer. Right? It is going without food, the purpose of which is to earnestly seek God in prayer. So it's restraining oneself from food for a period in order to seek the Lord more intensely, especially in prayer. And so I want to mention four, four things that, that the Bible speaks about fasting. So the first one is that fasting we are seeing in the Bible, it is generally it is accompanied by prayer. And there are many verses that I could quote, but Acts 14, 23, it says, And they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting. They committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So, so fasting is, is, is about not, not just abstaining from food, but also seeking the Lord in prayer. It's, it's not about just going hungry. Um, my my brother and, and, and my dad, um, we were were joking that this. Uh, we had a phone call uh, um, two weeks ago or something, and <clears throat> and and my dad um, said, "No, we I'm fasting until to, until twelve. And then my brother said, "What time do you wake up?" It's like ten, but no, that. <laughs> So, it's not about just being hungry. <laughs> it's, about, it's about spending time praying, seeking the, the Lord's face as, as well as abstaining from food. Fasting is also a form of worship. Let me give you two scriptures. Um, Acts 13.1, if you, if you turn there, Acts 13.1 and and Paul is speaking 
to um, sorry Luke is, is speaking about what happened in the church in Antioch and this is what it says while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting the Holy Spirit said set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them then after fasting and praying they laid their hands on them and set them off and even commentators point out that as they were worshiping and while fasting. So fasting is a form of worship. Another scripture coming from Luke chapter 2. And it's, it's uh, just before the birth of Christ. And Luke chapter 2.36 and says, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then, as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, listen to this, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And, and, and this was really interesting because I had never thought of fasting as an aspect of our worship to the Lord. We, we think it's singing and prayer and, and, and fellowship, but, but, but actually fasting is a means of worshiping the Lord. It means that it pleases God. It is an acceptable offering to Him of, of service, of, of worship. So it's accompanied by prayer. It's a form of worship. Thirdly, <clears throat> Fasting in the New Testament is expected. Interesting enough, in the New Testament, you won't find a verse that says, fast, do fast, or, or, or like, uh, almost like a command, you must fast. And yet, we just, we just see that as, as something to be expected. Let's turn back to, to our passage that we read. Matthew six sixteen to 18. How does it start? And when you fast. Not if you fast. When you fast. It's fasting throughout the New Testament. It, it just pops up saying the church was fasting. The peop- while they were fasting. Um, in the Old Testament, in the Day of Atonement, the people were instructed to fast. But in the New Testament, we don't see a specific instruction, you must uh, fast. It's, it's just saying, when you fast, it, it, it just appears. And so, biblical fasting was part of the Christian life. It seems, to as, as you read the New Testament, that it was just part of Christian living. In fact, um, in the Didache, so Didache was one of the early books um, of the early church that, that speaks of a lot of the um, Christian practices. And in fact, it almost made it to the canon, but it, it, it didn't make the cut. Um, but listen to what the Didache says. While the fasts of the hypocrites are condemned, fasting is enjoined on the fourth day of the week and on Friday the day of the betrayal and the crucifixion. And then uh, another part in, in the Didache says um, that those that 
are candidates to baptism, uh, they should fast. And so it seemed to have been a, a practice, uh, almost like just taken for granted that the people of God fasted. Now throughout throughout church history, there 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 has been sometimes. Uh, and, and because we as human beings are so often just prone to try to do things by ourselves and, and, and the danger of legalism, and it's like, okay, we, we're going to do fasting this and this, this day and that day. Um, it, uh, I, I read that John Wesley would not appoint any minister if he didn't fast at least twice a week. Uh, so I don't know how we would do as ministers these days if we, <laughs> if that rule uh, applied. But it, throughout church history and throughout the scriptures, fasting was expected of the believers. Another point, and, and maybe the, the main point that I want to highlight this, this morning is that fasting is to be done for the Lord. Fasting is to be done for the Lord. Going back to our text. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Jesus here in, in, in this sermon, He just allocates this small section... To, to fasting. You know, this, this is what Matthew records. But as I was meditating on this, why? Why that? Why, why use a contrast with hypocrites to talk about fasting? In other words, why didn't Jesus say, well, this is how um, you, you, you're going to fast like this way and, and, and these are the instructions But instead, this whole section is a contrast of what the hypocrites do and and what you you should do. Why does he teach fasting like that? As a rebuke to to the hypocrites. So I believe that this passage is pointing to something actually slightly deeper than the just the activity of fasting. I believe it is highlighting a, a very important question. And here's the question. Who is your spiritual activity for? Who are you fasting for? Who are you singing for? Who are you serving for? I think Jesus is warning us of a a big danger. And that is that you may be doing the right thing, but your heart is filled with pride. And there seems to be a particular danger of pride with fasting. If we look to um, Luke chapter 18, and Jesus telling the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector... And, and remember the, the, the two prayers. The Pharisee says, Thank you, Lord, that I am not like others. Remember that? 
And the first thing that he prides himself in is, I fast, I fast twice a week. God will not hear this kind of fasting. No matter how hungry you are, <laughs> who are you fasting for? Is it for others to see you? Now, if we read the, the chapter of Isaiah 58, and... And this was a difficult message in, in terms of, I said to Melissa, I don't know, there's, there's just a lot of information and I don't know what to, to cut out. Um, and, and so I actually want to encourage you, read Isaiah 58 and the whole chapter is about true fasting versus false fasting. But I just want to read two verses that points to this point of, of what Jesus is saying. Verse 3 and verse 4 and says, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to heat with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard. On high. If if you're not fasting for the Lord, if you're fasting for your own selfish pleasure or to look well in the eyes of other people, the Lord will not hear it. Zechariah seven says, Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, say to all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh for these seventy years, was it for me that you fasted? What? Who are you fasting for? All the, the spiritual activities that you do, who is that for? And Jesus Jesus saying, that's their reward. They're, they're fasting to get recognition for others. That's as far as their reward goes. They, they're not getting anything else. You're not getting anything else. That's, that's your reward. Want to, see, want to be seen by others? Want to look spiritual by others? Well, that's as far as your reward is. And he says, instead, when you fast, your father who sees in secret. Do it for your father who sees in secret. We need more of the secret, <laughs> brothers. We, we need more of time in secret with God. It is the time in secret that makes affected the time in public. It is the time in secret with God that revitalizes. And the reward will be much greater if it happens in secret. No one else needs to know. 
We need more of this secret. And I actually was debating on what to preach this Sunday. And I hadn't made up my mind what I was going to talk about. Should I speak about fasting, parenting, something else? Even up to last Sunday, I was was wondering, what, what should I talk about? And then Pastor Charles, as he was preaching, said, we need to have this hunger and thirst for Christ. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yes. Thank you, Lord. Fast and seek the Lord's face in secret. Don't tell anyone, wash your face. And, and by the way, there was uh, an element of, of um, Jewish ritual in, in, in terms of, of that. But, but the point was, don't show anyone that you're fasting. Don't try to seek recognition. Seek Him in the secret. Don't, don't try to, to show off. And brothers, I, I want to be honest with you. It's a, it's a personal struggle with me, with, with pride. And let me use a, an example that, that happens. There are times that me, as one of your pastors, I want to, I want to encourage you. And I say to you, I, I'm praying for you. How, how are things going with, with this? Well, like, today my, in my app, your name came up and, and I prayed for you. And I, I want to do it out of encouragement and, and maybe hear how you're doing and, and just to encourage you that someone is thinking of you and praying for you. But sometimes it's just pride. Sometimes I just want to let you know that I prayed. <laughs> I'm confessing here. We just, I just want to sound spiritual and, and yet know, let you know in a in prideful, prideful and yet discreet manner <laughs> that I prayed. Now, meet him in the secret. Jesus is amazing. His presence is overwhelming. Seek his face and as your stomach grumbles and say, Ugh. I really want to eat, but Lord, I need you more than food. I need you more. I need you more. Christ to me. It's more necessary than food, than the basic food. John Piper puts it like this. At its best, Christian fasting is not a belittling of the good gift of food. It is simply a heartfelt, body-felt exclamation point at the end of the sentence. I love you. God, I need you more than I need food. More than I need life. And so, this is the manner in which we should fast. But the one last one, and, and I had to mention this. We fast in expectation. Jesus is asked in Matthew 9, 14 and 15. And disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, 
but your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. The bridegroom has been taken away, but is going to return. Jesus will return. And so until then, we fast. We seek His face until we see Him face to face. And then we'll have a, even a bigger feast than that. <laughs> An amazing feast of the Lamb. We will see Him face to face. There won't be a need for fasting any longer. Jesus will completely satisfy us and we will be like Him. So we fast in expectation of the bridegroom's return. So lastly, just some practical considerations. If, if you don't fast at all and you don't know where even to start. So just some, some practical things that I, I, I want to mention. Generally the Bible speaks of fasting for for one day, and there are some instances that are are more, uh, and we know that in the case of, for example, uh, Moses, who was back to back forty days without food and water. That's a supernatural um, carrying God carrying him through that. So I, I wouldn't advise forty days without food and water. But maybe start small, maybe removing a meal and spending time during, uh, during that time that where you're going to eat, praying and, and seeking His face. Consider fasting before taking major decisions. Now, brothers, there is a danger that you think that fasting is just going to be like, yeah, just a switch where you do it and then God is just going to give. No. You fast to get God. You, you fast to seek more of Him. It, it is it's not for your own selfish pleasure. Yes, you, you want to hear um, Him and, and be guided by Him, but, but you must do it for the Lord. But I, I would encourage you, you're going to have a major decision, spend some time fasting and praying and seeking the Lord. There may be health reasons why it may not be wise for you to fast, you know, in case of diabetes and pregnancy. And, and so just be beware of, of that. And, and then I just want to encourage you <laughs> to resist the temptation and persevere when you commit to fasting. I can't tell you how many times it's like decide I'm going to fast and then there's like a I don't know, a big office cake or, or a big party where it's like really great food. I cannot tell you, like, really? Today? Out of all days? And you're so tempted and you're hungry and this all nice food. But I want to encourage you, persevere and fast and seek the Lord's face. There is, there is a, a big difference when we are in intimacy with God. And, and this, is, this is basically what I want to encourage you. In, in fact, I, I hope that 
um, you know, in, in the coming months, we will have some time allocated for fasting, even as a, as a church. But, but it, it is about seeking the Lord in secret. Don't, don't tell others. And, and it makes a difference, brothers. Uh, and so I want to encourage us to, to do that. Seek and hunger for the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Although we, at times, we, we fall short in obeying all that you have said, Lord, I pray that you would help us out of love for you, Lord, out of thankfulness for your redemption, out of gratitude for what you have done for us, out of wanting to please our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we will draw near to you, that we will spend time praying and fasting, Lord, both individually and even as a church, Lord, that we will seek your face more and more, that we will enjoy the pleasure of intimacy with Jesus Christ, O God. Help us, our body is weak, our flesh is weak, we are prone to wonder, we distract, we have selfish motives, Lord. So help us even with this, Lord. Help us to seek your face. In intimacy, oh God. May we come to the time of worshiping public in a, in a satisfied manner from the time in secret, Lord. Just help us. And help us when we, we don't achieve it. Help us when we fail you. Thank you for your mercy. That is great. Thank you for your grace. That is abundant. So would you, would you help us with fasting and praying, Lord? I pray this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.